This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Kia and welcome into episode 158 of Half Measures. I'm once again joined by my friend and podcast co-host, Dan Winning King. Kia ora, Dan. Kia ora, Paul. How you doing? I'm really good. I have a lot of things to say this week about the things I've watched, and I'm curious oh. to hear what you have to say in response. That's how a podcast works, right? That is how a podcast works. Otherwise, it might be a bit boring if we're just... We could, we're doing it individually, talking to ourselves. It would be. Writing our own opinions. I've had to sort of wait, you know. That's the one thing that doing this podcast has 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 changed. Is like I can't, I don't think, oh, I'll ask Dan what he thought about that. I'm like, I have to wait till, till we record the podcast so I don't ask you these questions live, so occasionally I have to write them down. It's funny, isn't it? Because I, I feel like back in the day I would have like texted you straight after an episode or something yeah. and like checked in, but now I don't even need a cell phone. That's you know, it. No message required. <laughs> no, thank you. I mean, there's things like The Last of Us, there's things like The Mandalorian, there's things like other things that we're also sort of doing seasonal ones. So sometimes we have to mm. wait weeks. It's tough. It's well, a tough it's a good life. Thing we've got a podcast. We can we can finally get it all out of the system. Can indeed. Um, let's crack in, Dan, because I have a feeling we'll be talking quite a while this week. If you wouldn't mind, could you tell me what you've been watching this week? I can indeed. So I've got a couple of things for you, apart from our joint watches. So the first one is a movie, uh, which I watched on Neon. It was actually this the second choice for our movie of the week. This is Emily the Criminal. So this is uh, a movie that's kind of popped up on my radar for a few weeks now. I think particularly because of... Um, Aubrey Plaza and I just feel like you know she was obviously fantastic in Parks and Rec she's really kind of like I think uh, White Lotus has really brought her like back into the, sort of the main fold and this movie was yeah it was uh, it was quite an enjoyable watch so basic premise here is um, Aubrey Plaza plays this plays this character who's kind of heavily saddled with debt and she gets involved in a credit card scam and she kind of starts off really light like short on some money gets an opportunity to make 200 bucks um to earn that 200 bucks she basically has to use a a credit card and a fake id to go buy a tv and um does that job well so they kind of offer her the next tier and so each, each tier you kind of go up in this in this scam and all of a sudden you're you're trying to buy not two hundred dollar TVs, you're buying ten thousand dollar purchases, you're 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 trying to you're really going big leagues. And it's kind of an it was a a bit of a, a fun and a different story because I think it's it really is kind of a an everyday person who kind of gets like looped up in this in this criminal underworld and then the the thing almost like in a breaking bad sense, right? Like all of a sudden you're you're kind of dealing with some criminal activity and then with that criminal activity comes some extra jobs that sometimes need to be done, which I guess the average person wouldn't be thinking about. And so it's a I would say it's a a good drama thriller. Uh Audrey Plaza fantastic um plays alongside uh theo rossi who if you're a, a sons of anarchy fan you may remember him as juice in that tv show uh he plays a character called yosef and just a really different role for him but i think again great great partnership with aubrey plaza just just a, i think an, an all-round good and interesting movie a difficult movie to talk about without kind of revealing the the whole plot and premise of the show but look it's a that's a pretty good runtime at one hour thirty-seven. Like that, that's a real sweet spot for me, mm. Paul. Like, mm. you know, not not too long, enough to sort of tell a story. I think it and a complete story at that, and it's got some great twists and turns. So it doesn't necessarily rate that highly. Like it's coming in on IMDb at about a six point seven. I, I think it's probably about a seven. It's a, I think it's worth a watch. I love this. Uh, what's funny for me is Aubrey Plaza. Because I see her all over the place, as you say, White Lotus and different things. But I still, I mean, I've just gone through all of her things. 
I still haven't seen her in anything since Parks and Rec. So for me, she's she's always just um, the, the the Parks and Recreation character, and so I'm just feeling like I need to see her in something else because I cannot imagine her other than being that amazing, sullen, totally sarcastic character from Parks and Rec that she played so well. So um, yes, it's her her stuff doesn't seem to quite be getting on my radar at the moment. And I think she she almost, I think, has that kind of character in most things that she plays. I think probably without the the intentional humour that I think Parks and Rec brings to the table, but she, she's still very much got that vibe of this. She's got a great um, RBF face. She's got a, <laughs> a great uh, great level of scar- um, sarcasm. It's, I, I think she's good. I think she's, she's really this does feel like a different space for her and it's uh as i say i i really enjoyed it it's i i enjoy uh, a good throwaway thriller at times that's good uh, as april ludgate her scenes especially with ron swanson were just a real highlight from that amazing show which feels like it could be coming up a rewatch at some point it's that good uh i'd never heard of this uh writer director before um so this is one of his first uh, big movies, John Patton Ford, by the looks of it. Um, support cast, I love John Benningsley. Uh, he was great in Enterprise. Bit of trivia. I was on a podcast with him over at Roddenberry.com a couple of years ago, which was pretty cool. He is an amazing actor. This one is on my list. And uh, the movie of the week choice, you know, it's it was nearly there for me. But this week we went with something else. And... Maybe I'll revisit this in the future. With it, if you want to check it out, so Emily the Criminal is on Neon here in New Zealand. Definitely worth a watch. The other thing that I've watched is a comedy special on Netflix. So Chris Rock has just released his... Have you seen it as well, Paul? We've got a joint watch here. We didn't know we had oh, one, Ben. Amazing. I, I love that. I love it when we have the accidental joint watch. This was, uh, uh, I think for me... I guess wasn't overly aware that it was coming out. Um, kind of saw a, a few tweets and stuff giving Chris Rock um, a lot of props, and I was like, oh, I might check that out, might bring it to the pod. And so it was kind of a bit of a, a lazy last night watch for me, and I had a, a hell of a good time. How about yourself? Yeah, I did too. I, um, I'm i not going to lie, I would probably watch this anyway, but I probably pressed play on it earlier because I, I guess – you know, it's just saying so shallow, but I really was curious to see if he would say anything about what happened at the Oscars. And, and of course, true enough, he, he does. Um, but uh, I actually was thinking about, you know, talking about this on the box, thinking, well, what, what will we be able to get so much of this? As Chris Rock himself said, mid joke to some of the audience, he goes, you ain't going to be able to tell these jokes at work tomorrow. And the same, the same is probably true on this podcast. Yeah, I thought uh, it was interesting, right? Because I think it's it's always very difficult, I think, to review uh, a, a comedy or stand-up comedy sort of special because you it either resonates with you or it doesn't. Yeah, I, I think like most of this, I thought was quite funny. I think probably the best thing about this whole experience, I think, is you know, and Chris Rock kind of deals with. Um, how everyone's kind of a victim um, these days and and different types of kind of personas. But I think Chris Rock has done something really smart and really clever where he could have gone on so many talk shows, talked about the the slap, talked yeah. about the incident. Yeah. He, he banked it, Paul. He banked it for a year. He turned it into a comedy special. And I'm sure he has made absolute bank from this. And he's been able to do it in a way where – if he was being interviewed by someone, he like there would have been a bit of back and forth about should you have done this, should you have responded, do you think it was too far? Whereas the the stage is all his. He's the only one with the mic. He he's this is his chance to kind of I've had a year to build some great material. I'm literally dropping the mic and giving you my thoughts. Oh yeah. I mean, literally dropping the mic. I mean <laughs> I mean, scrub ahead if you don't want to hear, because there's some things I think I have to talk about, but like he 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 literally at the end he does drop the mic you know he sort of says oh someone asked why he didn't do anything back and his response to that you know he's he says what he says and then he drops the mic and it's uh the the control of being the only one with the mic is 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 really king in that respect because 
and he does sort of save it to the end as well, which is is also very clever because you know he's got some other things to say along the way, which were all very entertaining. Some of them quite um, quite on the line, um, but that seems to be the way it goes these days. But uh, yeah, he could have gone in and he could have played the victim and 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 all those things, but banking it and saving it has been a really good business decision because I see this one creeping up the rankings on Netflix. Yeah, there's, there's some. I almost don't want to spoil it because it, like it's. I don't want to sort of talk too much about the jokes because I think it, it'll it'll take away the the zing. But I think if you're a Chris Rock fan, even if you're not a big Chris Rock fan, but you you appreciate um, good stand up, you you're interested in what uh, a post uh, Will Smith slap. Uh, looks like for Chris Rock then this is probably one worth checking out just over an hour long again sometimes I just love a a stand-up special where I know I'm going to get some feel-good laughs I'm going to get to laugh at some things that shouldn't shouldn't really be said but it's kind of it's kind of it fills my cup sometimes yeah no it's it's good and it was good because I haven't seen him since since he got hit and uh, I did really pay attention and uh, you know had some serious stuff in there as well and sort of like without ruining jokes as you say there were some of the some of the things that he, he talked about you know about how society's become addicted to attention and you know we used to want love but now we just want the likes and that whole you know victim angle and you know the slant on that with race and the capital riots and and all those things were real he, you know he talked about some very real things in there then of course you know <laughs> he just he he sort of and I'm borderline spoiling here, but like he doesn't talk about the Bosma thing, but he'll talk about Snoop Dogg, and then he'll sort of clarify. Look, I'm not I'm not I'm not dissing Snoop. <laughs> Last thing I need is another mad rapper, <laughs> and I just really so loved I loved all those moments. But he doesn't live anything out. Um, O.J. Simpson, Cardassians, private schools, mechanics. Uh, no one was safe and not even yoga pants. It was a real, it was a real, um, yeah, a, a really interesting, I, I just love, and I yeah, say this about many comedians, how they just remember this whole routine, this whole act. It's just, it's just incredible. I, I'm with you. Like I'm, I've always been fascinated by comics that like, have they, like if it was me, I would have to have like at least, these are my 10 cue cards with the different topics I'm going to talk about. Because I would imagine, as a comic as well, you're, you're probably a little bit free-flowing a little bit. And I know that comedians often workshop a lot of their content um, in different venues until they kind of get the perfect set built up. But as you say, just to kind of literally get on stage and just kind of riff off yourself for an hour telling all these stories and then looping them back is is incredible. Yeah. And I'm just curious, Dan, because you went to Disney quite recently as well. Did you also get the Illuminati package or did you get the, pub- the public package? Uh, unfortunately, on a half measure salary, I got the public package. But I would imagine um, if you had the Illuminati package, I wouldn't be able to say anyway. So um, <laughs> part, of, part of the contract. Uh, good time. But yeah, this is this is a good one. This is uh, So it's currently streaming on Netflix. It's called Chris Rock, uh, Selective Outrage. The title kind of gives away the the theme of the show. Uh, I had a good time. It wasn't necessarily the best stand-up I've ever seen, but I, no. I definitely I, I got the laughs out of it that I wanted to um, for the price of admission. Correct. Nicely done. And that is me, Paul. Apart from our joint watches, what about yourself? Yeah, well, there we go. So one of them was going to be uh, you know the Chris Rock. So I've... <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Seinfeld this week <laughs> and I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about it because uh, I feel like we've never done a proper Seinfeld and I feel like once I've gone through all nine seasons, maybe I will four seasons in now. And I think if you were ever to ask me to rank my favorite comedies of all time, I think, I think this one, I might put it top of the bar. It just never fails to hit the mark every single time. And Obviously, it's got recency bias, but right now I'm having a great time with that. So I'll pack that. But the other thing I watched is Without Sin, 
So this is 2022 miniseries, four-part thriller. Um, and the, the premise for this one is all about the relationship which develops between uh, this grieving mother, uh, played by Vicky McClure from uh, Line of Duty, probably best well-known, uh, and the relationship she makes with or has with this this man that she uh, believes murdered her daughter and who you know so this guy is caught and he's convicted of the murder and he's in prison and there's this program set up where the family of victims are given the opportunity to meet the person who was found guilty and so i actually found the setup and premise of these meetings a bit weird right from the start i I, like i'm not really sure if this is something that would happen in real life Uh, it seems a bit much to me but i kind of just went with it but it makes for a fascinating uh, starting point to a series um, because normally a series will you know be about the thing happening and then the person going to jail. Well, this is starting with the person's in jail and then going to sort of form that relationship. And it's I don't know, obviously some sort of closure or something. Um, yeah, I it's 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 a really interesting show. I'm hesitant to say I fully recommend it, but there's a lot in here that I really enjoyed. This sort of premise does make for some really good tv it makes a really interesting dynamic between the two characters and of course something happens inside the first episode which sort of swings that around and for me the big thing here is vicky mcclure is as the lead i thought was really good and i would say that i would argue this is her best performance ever and i i I sort of really mainly known her as kate fleming and i think um compared to like Trigger Point or other shows I've seen her in, I think this is her best performance yet. I feel like uh, Vicky McClure is popping up more and more as one of those like stable uh, actresses who kind of like appear in kind of your your, your top tier British television. Mm. Oh, all, all the time. all the, And for it's a very different role for her, which is great. So after, you know, after watching her in Line of Duty and Trigger Point, I don't think I could handle going into another – uh, show where she's in the police role um although i did find it interesting that it was setting nottingham which of course is where she's from which somehow she always manages it's like ricky gervais always seems to you know be in a series in reading or slow it's um but she, she's real good the guy opposite her johnny harris who plays the accused he's real convincing you can really you can he's a kind of actor you can empathize with him it's a great performance of someone who's a really big tough guy who is holding on to so much pain and um yeah, ITV produced, so top quality production, cinematography, direction, all of that is good. Very easy to watch, just a four-parter miniseries. The length of this, I would say for once, is, is spot on. It all wraps up in four episodes without feeling rushed, and I don't think they needed to go any longer, so that was was good. It was very brutal, very powerful, very clever, how they sort of go about trying to tell the story of this guy's supposed innocence and ultimately the dynamic between him and uh, and her character so um yeah the, as i say this this whole premise setup was a bit weird for me i was like really we're gonna but i i'm just not well versed enough to know if that's a real thing um so yeah decent drama not necessarily knockout but for four episodes i really enjoyed it and i would recommend to anyone who, who you know who enjoys this genre which you know surprise surprise for me next to science fiction is 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 my go-to genre so um so yeah without sin tvnz plus here in new zealand look it looks good paul i i say it all the time but i love a good sort of short sharp mini series a one and done four episodes it's sticking all the boxes yeah you're you're looking at like it's essentially like a three-hour movie i guess you would sort of say but in, in nice little bite-sized chunks that you can watch over a couple of evenings which is perfect for me perfect Shall uh, we? Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, I was going to say that's, no, that's no. it, other than what you're about to say, Dan. Yeah, I was going to say, shall we jump into a, a joint review that we've uh, we've done with Happy Valley Season 3? Yes. So, this, wow, a seven year wait from Season 2. Now, that I don't know about you, Dan, but as always, I watched a recap of Season 1 and 2, and I don't know how I would have coped coming into this without it. And of course, I know yep. you as a BA would have definitely done that. You'll be proud of me, Paul. And every time I watch I a recap, I think of myself, Paul will be proud of me. Because I, I, I was about to hit play. Like, I literally had it all set up to go. And I was like, oh, 
Hold on. It's been a hot minute. I can't quite remember anything that's happened in the previous seasons. Found myself a recap and I was like, oh God, I love the show. And it actually made me want to go back and watch uh, the first seasons again. But nevertheless, I watched the recap and jumped into season three. Yeah. And I guess for anyone who's sort of looking online and can only find season three streaming, because this is what happens when a show has been gone for a long time sometimes it comes onto a streaming platform and only the third season's available. So I would say that you could come into this feasibly and watch it and still enjoy it, but there's so much history and so much richness to all of the why with the, the, you know, the, the villain of the piece, Tommy Lee Royce and, and uh, our main character, um, Catherine played by Sarah Lancashire, that I'd say it really would be such a more, rewarding rich experience to have seen season one and two first and, and let's be honest and this is one of our all-time top police dramas first of all if anyone jumps in at season three you, you're gonna have to move off the half music podcast this this, this is uh, a full like you need to watch the all three seasons like this this is not a jump in at the end like I think the context that you've talked about is so important in this. And a lot of this TV show so focuses on um, Sarah Lancashire as uh, Catherine Kaywood and her, her, her journey as a, as a police, as an experienced police officer. And as you've, as you've already mentioned the even the, the villain story of Tommy Lee Royce, it's, it's so critical, the context that leads up to everything that happens in season three. So I, w- I won't hear any of this talk. <laughs> well, we're lucky here in New Zealand because this this also is TVNZ Plus and all three seasons are available to us here. But there are some people who I know overseas who don't have access to those other ones and they've jumped straight in and they Both seem to... New Zealand. <laughs> that's that's, the, a, that's the answer. Just come on over. So, yep. so yeah, so um, if if you're already up to date, then carry on. If not, use the show. The time is in the show notes. As always, seven years after... The events of season two, uh, Catherine, she's coming close to retirement age. She wants to go off to the Himalayas, but before she does, she gets called in to investigate this this case, some human remains uh, found near a reservoir, and things kick off from there. And meanwhile, in the background, the person who has gone to jail, who was the sort of the the focus of the first two seasons, and who. You know, we all probably thought, oh, well, that's that's that story done. The bad guy's been caught. He's gone to prison. You know, just like I was saying with Without Sin, you know, the bad guy's in prison. Of course, they find a way to make a drama out of that as well. And and I thought, I don't know about you, but I thought for the most part, certainly for the first five episodes of this season, I thought it was as tense as Happy Valley has ever been. Yeah, look, I think... The first two seasons of Happy Valley, Happy Valley were some of the greatest TV watching I've done. Like I remember, my dad was visiting for the weekend. We were looking through Netflix, something to watch. Randomly clicked on Happy Valley, completely binged the hell out of like a two-season TV show, which is kind of unheard of with my with my dad in this sort of short period of time. And then have been just waiting uh, patiently for season three for such a long time. I think what was really great about season three is I think it really kind of like it painted a bit of a different picture of um, of of Sarah's character in the sense that you know she's so used to living in this black and white world as a police officer and this is this is right and wrong and this yeah. is good and bad and this is how I've been um, trained and have been working in this in this small small town. And I actually think the journey they took us on with her character really, by the, by episode six, really got me thinking about, you know, it's it's not always that simple. And, you know, I know that Tommy Lee Royce is a, is a very bad character and he's done some very bad things, but he also had some very interesting points in some of his, like, in his sort of his showdowns um, with uh, Catherine. So, look, I thought this was more great tv i i'm so i'm so sad that this is the end mm. i just i just love all of these characters i borderline want the spin-off series where she goes off to the himalayas <laughs> i i'm equally intrigued by um 
by Catherine Hayward's sister, Claire Cartwright, like mm. equally kind of this this fascinating character who on paper, all of these things don't sound that interesting. But this is this is some of the best TV. It really is. It's the very definition of a show that once you start it, you want an episode every night and you 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 know you, all day long you're thinking, oh Happy Valley tonight, and then you just don't want it to end. But you know, Sarah Lancashire, I think, is at the center of the ending of, of why this series is ending. Sort of saying this is the last, and she's absolutely superb in this in this role. And yeah, like you, I know it's all over, but I feel like I could watch another six seasons of her solving other crimes unrelated to, to Tommy Lee Royce. She's just got this. This this great on screen presence. She's her character has this dry sarcasm that she she brings to the role. She ref, she doesn't tolerate fools, and the manner in which she'll just cut people down to size is just absolutely hilarious. And, and as you say, um, Claire, her sister, um, Siobhan Finneman is the actress there. Another really really convincing actress. I think I could easily sort of dive into her character a bit more james norton as tommy lee royce is always a presence on screen he's really quite uh, he, you may he, he makes you feel quite uncomfortable and and you know not at ease at all and so of course when events unfold in this in this third season and if you're listening i'm i'm guessing you don't care if you've seen it you know when he gets out and he's on the run the way he goes on the run is exactly how I feel like I would do it. I'd be like, no messing about, get out, full disguise, on a bike, and off you go. Like just doing it properly. None of this messing about like you see in some TV shows. Just like go full disguise, full Ethan Hawke, and then get out of there. I just, it's just great. There's so many great moments, and I think for like this is a TV show that, and you just said like it builds tension mm. so well and. From from the very first episode, like you're always kind of introduced to a, a new murder or a new crime, and there's kind of always kind of the main storyline playing out alongside sort of these these sort of core sub stories. And I think in this season in particular, I almost thought we were getting to the end and we weren't going to have some clear um, resolution to to some of these other other crimes that were taking place uh, throughout the season because I was like, oh god, there's only like five minutes to go. And it, but they, I think they did such a wonderful job of of wrapping up this whole TV show in a sense where these characters can kind of live on in your own mind, however you want, like however happy or unhappy those stories might be for them. But I think this is easily a show that I could sit down and watch. And I wouldn't be surprised to bring it to the pod again sometime in the future, um, doing seasons one, two and three, because even though I watched the recap, there was still so many, I think character moments that, and, and so many connections that, would be great to watch um, in a refreshed way. Yeah, I I would put an asterisk on everything you've just said and just say there was there was one part which is why I said the, the first five episodes of the six there was something missing from the final episode and I don't it's not enough to detract from me it's not going to knock any guns off of my rating or anything like that but I just felt that the final episode said so that the pharmacy dude. You know, it's implied that he's going to get caught and put away, but I think probably most people wanted to to, to see that. Um, I think that was just kind of a – it felt like a loose end because that was that was a main thread throughout the story and we never actually saw justice take place or, or see him escape, one or the other. We don't. So I guess that's for our own interpretation as to what happened there. But uh, I think um, after all the build-up, that did feel a little bit untold. See, I was happy with the way they wrapped up the the pharmacist story, even though we didn't really get to see it. I almost felt like I had more questions around the ongoing relationship between Catherine, Tommy, um, Ryan, mm. and even Claire. Like, I felt like we kind of just ended with Catherine going off on her holiday um, and not like truly knowing has she made up with her sister? Um, is her what? What's the status of her grandson? Like, are, are they still in good terms? Is she actually going to take him on the trip to the Himalayas? Like, like it felt like for a show that's so much equally about family as it is about uh, life in the police force, that bit felt very open to interpretation. Yeah, no, fair call. And the Ryan part was a very interesting story throughout, and the dynamic, you know, really sort of as you say, sort of 
testing those waters between black and white because of course despite everything he is his son and so that was a very interesting dynamic uh quick shout out as well mark stanley i thought he was real good in this you would have you would have seen him before in game of thrones I, that's right i've seen yeah. him in trigger point as well as this show and i thought he was very good in that role which was a you know a really horrible character to play for a number of different reasons um but yeah just a real top quality i mean i loved how they brought in people from season one, even like uh, George Costigan coming back as Neverson Gallagher, you know, that story seemingly would have been wrapped up in most TV shows, but they found a way to bring him in. And it's, yeah, the quality of the writing is, I guess what we would expect from uh, Sally Wainwright, you know, she's done things that I've always, you know, last tango in, in Halifax, the unforgivable with Sandra Bullock, a lot of just really good quality writing. And of course she wrote this, I think I said this once before she wrote this, uh, off of the strength of wanting to do it from a, a previous show where she worked with um, Sarah Lancashire. So, um, yeah, top, top TV. I think, too, there's, there's something so powerful in, uh, I think, British police TV shows because it's not like, you know, no weapons are ever really, like, branded about. It's like it's literally like policing in a high-vis vest, yeah. a- occasionally popping your taser out. But even then true last resort not really looking like it's it's such a different type of policing to what we're used to when we watch american television and i think that kind of adds to the weight of the tv show yeah i think it does as well and it's uh it's one of the i mean it's a long conversation but it's one of the reasons why i think a show like bosch does well because it's less about that and it's more that investigative um but happy valley is one of those shows that is almost like the royalty amongst British police dramas. Mm-hmm. So there's like your broad church and there's your line of duty. Uh, there's your happy Valley. There's these certain shows that just sort of just edge up into just that extra layer of public. to the point where they filmed um, multiple endings with multiple different outcomes for this season three, so that no one could possibly know what was going to air, which is quite extraordinary because i imagine that footage exists somewhere i love that i love i love it when they go above and beyond and it is a genuine kind of surprise and delight like i just i honestly i I can't rate this tv show enough i'm so happy we finally got our third season i'm so happy um that it's kind of like largely wrapped up the story um it's i I just can't speak highly enough next time someone asked me for a recommendation this is going straight on the list yeah it's uh it is top tier and as i say it's available here in new zealand on tvnz plus um seven years is a long wait but it turned out to be good after all which is fantastic indeed shall we uh jump into our movie of the week indeed so every week dan and i take it in turns choose a movie to watch and review together on the pod we advertise a week in advance what that movie will be over on our Discord community, uh, which you can join by clicking on the link in the show notes. And then this week, we came away with the other choice to Emily the Colonel, which was The Outfit. Yeah, so this is another 2022 movie uh, directed by Graham Moore, uh, starring Mark Rylance, uh, Zoe Dutch, and John Gumley Mason. And this is this was a bit of a different one. And to be honest with you, Paul, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. So this is a, a movie about a, an expert. We we'll use the word Taylor for now, or, or Cutter, as he's referred to in the in the movie, um, who must basically outwit a, a group of mobsters in, in order to survive uh, a, a fateful night. And so the basic premise of this movie is our our main character. Um, it's basically so he's, he's running his, his tailor shop um, in Chicago. Gangsters are using his shop as a bit of a money drop. Uh, people are double crossing each other. There's uh, concerns about snitches. There's rival gangs. And what what was kind of interesting about this movie is the poster looks really interesting. Mm. The synopsis interesting. I'll tell you, I didn't realize we weren't going to leave the tailor shop. Oh, see, that's point number one for me. Um, not leaving. We get two views 
of the shot, we get one view in the opening three seconds as we approach the shop from the window and door, and we get three seconds at the end uh, as as the characters exiting the shop. But other than that, I I love the fact that this whole thing is set within the confines of this small shop, and our our tailor or our our cutter, as he prefers to be known, Leonard, he never gets to leave, and so neither do we as the audience. And I just thought that was a really powerful way of doing things. It also helps because this is this is set in Chicago, um, but the whole thing this is a British movie, and the whole thing is filmed entirely in London. And so <laughs> I think uh, that helps with uh, keeping up the ruse that this is is being played out in Chicago. The poster that you refer to, Dan. That was probably the thing that got me across the line, which is so often the case with movie of the week. Sometimes I'll look at the poster or I'll look at the main star or look at the director and that's enough without me even looking at the synopsis. Just that huge pair of scissors on like an almost um, Alfred Hitchcock style sort of Mm -hmm. um, coloring and sort of design, a very 60s feel just was like, I just knew straight away this was going to be something different. And this, this was different. And I, I think overall... I really enjoyed what I got out of it. Yeah, I think it was it was different to what I was expecting, but I had a really good time. I think it's got um it's got some great twists and turns. I think it's got some great character moments. It's got that great sense of of tightness and control because it is all set within the within the store. Um I think it's also a movie that I think poses sort of some questions about some of the the key characters in there, which are, are probably ripe for discussion. But overall, I don't think it's my typical sort of movie. But I had a really good time with this one. Yeah, no, I'd say the same. I um, I think I start at the start of it as it played out. I was getting concerned that it was going to be a slow, dragging movie, and I'm quite happy, as I've said multiple times, with a, a slow pace. But I just felt like it was. But what they were doing, they were showing the craft. They were taking the time uh, to to show what is needed to achieve the the, the cutting craft. And I've learned that it's cutting, not tailoring. Um, but I do feel like they could have played that part just a little bit quicker, given that you know we we have got a runtime of an hour forty five. But it does pick up, and my goodness, once it got moving, it really got quite exciting. And when you know, we've got our two characters, Richie and, and Francis. When, um, you know, we're going to talk spoilers a bit, I think. But the moment when Richie gets taken out by Francis, we're basically halfway into this movie. And I, it felt like we were at a point where I was expecting the movie at this point might have been getting towards the end. But we still had plenty of time to go. So we had plenty of story to come. And I thought it was just a real clever um the writing just really was very very uh, like i didn't guess what was what was happening or how it might end i thought that was really well done i i felt like um uh the the so this is graham moore another writer director always love a writer director um i thought that quality of writing made for a, a last third of the movie that was really really strong yeah, look, I, I think I'm with you because I think at the at the start I kind of had that feeling of, oh, God, what have I done? And um, by the time I kind of processed that and we're kind of hitting the middle middle strides, it did really ramp up the pressure and it did kind of start bringing in those twists and turns. And, and I'm with you. I, I think it's it's just something different and a little bit unique, I think, in a in a landscape of sort of movies where so often we kind of follow such a sort of formulaic pattern. It, it did have some nice twists and turns. Some of them I didn't see coming. I'm, I'd love to sort of talk to you about the the big sort of spoiler, I guess, at the end with our main character, mm. um, Mike Rylance's characters, when he kind of rolls up his sleeves and he's kind of covered in tattoos, much like, um, well, I kind of implying that he's he's equally from a a gangster yep. type of world, and he's he's ready to throw down. Anyone who's got that many tattoos on their arm naturally has to be a gangster. That was the inference that he was making as he was pulling his sleeves up. Um, yeah, that twist was great, and I just thought this was a real credit to to um, to Matt Rylance as as Leonard because they just. They just couldn't have cast anyone more fitting or more appropriate because he was he was immaculate. He was, I feel like he's just 
this is like a role of a lifetime, the way, even just the way he's removing his glasses and the deliberate way he moved around the room. And even in a crisis, he would take the time to hang a jacket up. Um, and I felt like I really knew his character and I, I was instantly trusting him and he was just so patient and gentlemanly and, you know, he even referred to these gangsters as a gentleman. And then, as you say, with the ending, it turned out I didn't know his history at all. And he just, he just, something just changed in his eyes and it was really powerful acting. So, um, yeah, um, a lot of things in this movie worth, worth watching. Um, I just looking at Graham Moore, he's actually from Chicago. So there's the obvious, uh, link his previous movie. It's the one he got the Oscar for. That was the imitation game with, with Benedict Cumberbatch. So, um, yeah, he's he's top draw, this guy. And just another shout-out, the cast, uh, Richie and Francis, Dylan O'Brien and, and Johnny Flynn. Um, both of those, I thought, were, 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 were really good in their roles. It's probably the best I've seen Dylan O'Brien in, in anything in his career so far. And I haven't seen um, Zoe Deutsch before as mabel but i thought she was she was good in her part which is a really crucial part as well so yeah really um bit of a little surprise enjoyment for the week this one yeah i'll tell you one thing that it did remind me of with um mark rylance's character is almost like an alfred pennyworth like as a yes you know you're an old school yes badass but you kind of you're super composed you're you've got it all together nothing rattles you and you could see this almost as like a an uh, alfred origin story in a way oh that's a great call he, he would be a, a perfect depending on the bat not maybe not the batman we've just yeah, watched but yeah. the, the context he could be the perfect um the perfect part there he um just a couple of bits of trivia actually mark rylance was actually trained in tailoring um by the the famous huntsman tailors on savile row um previously seen in the kingsman series and also for this movie his outfit was designed and made by one of the current day tailors on savile row as well so i thought that was quite a nice little touch Amazing. It's funny you say that because I was thinking that as they had so many of those sort of like artistic scenes of them chopping different fabric and or cutting fabric um, and how you'd really have to, like you can't just sort of turn up as an actor and pretend that you're a tailor. Like there's some there's some real craft and profession in here, isn't there, that needs to be yeah. uh, articulated as an actor. When, when the movie comes to what we think is its natural conclusion and it seems to be calm, if you'd asked me at that point, I would have said, this movie's done. I'm finished with it, and I'm happy to say that's done. And I'll, you know, recommend it. What happens after that, with that little bit of a twist, has left me feeling like I would go another one because of what we saw with his character and the history there, and the fact, you know, he walks out the door. There isn't going to be a sequel. I'm relatively sure of that. But I, because of what happened in that last ten minutes, I would, I would follow his character to see what happens next. I, th- I think there could be more to tell. It almost would make maybe like a a nice maybe three to five episode little little mini series like you know maybe a, an hour hour each type thing yeah sort of like spin off into a little bit of a series could be interesting. I'd definitely be a part of that. I've always got this vision of you Dan walking into like the writers' room and just saying, "Hey guys, can we just can we make this into like a six part? Can we just?" <laughs> I feel like I'd, I'd be one of those really annoying people where they're like oh, we're going to make a series because that's what he always bangs on about. And then as soon as they say series, I'm like, it's a movie, guys. Yeah. It's a movie. Sorry, guys. And then I'm, I'm just flip-flopping all the time. Cut it Basically, back. whatever you do, it's wrong. Yeah. Like, God, I must be a nightmare to work for. I would I would not want to comment on that, Dan. But yeah, this movie, Mike Rylance, absolutely top draw. Dylan O'Brien, Johnny Flynn, also it's a, a really good, strong performance all round. I... I really was impressed by the writing. I love the the look and the feel. I was I was really taken in by the like the directing of some of the cutting scenes was really intricate and well yeah. thought out. Um yeah, I I give this one a good three out of four guns then. Mm, that's good. That's good. I I would probably go a two and a half. Um but I, I could be talked into a three. You know what? I'm feeling generous. Let's go a three. I, I think this is I'll give it a three because it's, it did something different and it genuinely surprised and delighted me um, and, and when I wasn't expecting it. So I think this is, if you haven't seen it, worth a watch. We've probably ruined a bit of it for you, but 
you know what? If you don't want to have the movie ruined, you should join the uh, Half Measures Discord channel where we announce the movie of the week every week before you listen to the podcast. It's the only way to do it. It's the only way to do it, Dan. Um, so that is the outfit available here in New Zealand to watch on Neon at an hour 45. It's definitely time well spent. Looking back on the week, though, Dan, what would you say is your standout? What is your pick of the week this week? Can't go past Happy Valley. It's just, it's too good. It's, um, and I know that, like, like I didn't watch it kind of week by week. It's always dropping. I, I literally saved it up and watched it over two nights. And what a two nights it was, Paul. Yeah. Like, so good. I, I just, I had such a good time. I am almost like, what is next? Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It's, um, I feel like watching one episode a night over four nights would be the real pure way to go with it and really sort of enjoy it and savor each one. But yeah, it's so easy to watch. You could easily, if you had time, watch all of it in one night, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my I, pick I, too. That's I my literally, pick too. I, I had to stop. Like I, I could feel myself like I could watch another episode and I was yeah. like, don't do it to yourself. You're going to be tired tomorrow. You're going to be grumpy. I had to stop myself. Future Dan is grateful to evening Dan. Exactly. Exactly. Shall I take us on over to the news desk? Please. All right. So, first of all, uh, sad passing of uh, Mr. Tom Sizemore. So, mm. a lot of us will remember uh, Tom from Saving Private Ryan and Heat. He unfortunately passed away at the age of 61. By the sounds of it, looked like uh, he had a stroke in February and um, has largely sort of been in a, a coma and in a not too good of condition since then. So our uh, thoughts um, out to his family. It's a, it's a great loss. It really is. And he's one of those actors that just popped up, not often in the lead, but always in support. And I always, I can't think of a bad performance from him. And Heat was a standout for me. I th- uh, alongside De Niro, I thought he was really strong. So yeah, really sad. He almost reminds me of, and his name has literally just escaped me. Um, Michael Madsen, the guy from the first, no, the guy from the first Terminator film, and then he was in the Mandalorian. Um, oh god, in the Mandalorian as well. He was like, um, he was like a. Uh, he's in the Ahsoka episode. My- Michael Michael Bine. Oh, Michael Bine. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. yeah. He he reminds me of him in terms of a. Uh, um, appears in a lot of movies but as you say not often the main the main character yeah like he has that sort of similar vibe yeah no fickle yeah uh what else have i got here so uh hbo's barry which is a fantastic tv show i'm a little bit behind on it but season four will be the final season of this tv show so they are ending it uh starts on the 16th of april it's my birthday um and yeah look Great show. If you haven't watched it, such a great dark comedy. Season three is on my list to to get around, so I will do that so that I'm lined up for season four. But this is a a good watch. One of my highly recommended. Uh, A little bit of Daredevil news. So the Daredevil Born Again, which is currently under development at Disney, there's also uh, news coming out that Mr. John Bernthal will return as the Punisher. Had to be. Just had to be. I mean, those two together. Had to be done. Yeah. John Bernthal can do no wrong. Correct. Like, like I, I'm sure he can, but like at the moment, he's like that guy. Like, I just feel like he's going from strength to strength. And I like, please, Disney, don't mess this up. Please. Your only hope. Please. A <laughs> uh, bit of Star Wars news. So um, Kevin Feige and Patty Jenkins are no longer um, – having active sort of Star Wars movies in development. Um, So in particular, Patty Jenkins was um, going to be working on uh, Rogue Squadron, and that seems to be long shelved, no further work's happening on it. But the Taika Waititi project is moving forward, so that's that's good news. Um, Looking forward to seeing what happens there. Interesting time in the Star Wars universe. I feel really sorry for Patty Jenkins in particular, because I think she has proven her, her mantle in terms of the quality, especially with the first Wonder Woman movie. And not only that, but they went to the trouble of doing this really quite awesome little teaser trailer for Rogue Squadron, like running down all the the uh, the X-Wings and then sort of with her sitting in the cockpit and putting the helmet on. It's like, uh, 
it's that's really harsh. It's um, it's disappointing for Star Wars fans, but it's particularly harsh for for her. It's, this is this is calling back to moments like the Henry Cavill conversation for me. It's like once you're in, please. It's tough. It's tough. It's a it's a hard space with lots of moving parts, but um. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. So, uh, a new Alien movie uh, is set to begin production this month, which is uh, very exciting. It, come on, Paul. It, it, it's the, I believe it's the, what is it, the ninth movie. Uh, they are due to start filming in uh, Budapest. We don't know too much yet about uh, what is the, what's kind of the, the core plot of this film, but um, great to have more more Alien on the way. So, just to be clear because i get most of my news from this podcast it seems um this is the third of the prequel trilogy after prometheus and alien covenant or is this a standalone i believe i believe it's it's the first so um i i don't know too much too much about it yet but it's been a long time in development, so I would imagine we'll probably start hearing more about it in the coming months. But the fact that they're starting filming in, in March, that's, that says here they're going to start filming on the 9th. So a couple of days time. And this is not a Ridley Scott one. Okay, so this – oh, wait. Correct. Okay, okay. This is half measures ball. You don't get full news. You just get little that's bits of news. That's what I've come And then it's to. the wet your appetite. Yeah. And then if you're interested, you've got to do, you've got to do your own work. Um. What else have I got here? Uh, Star Trek Discovery will end with season five. Mm. Happy? I tell you, Dan, I I have not shut it down. Watched all of season four yet? I haven't got the stomach to carry on with the show, which is really painful to watch. I should not be sitting down pressing play on an episode of Star Trek and just being like like almost a chore thing that is the most foreign feeling to me i can possibly imagine it should be like strange new worlds it should be like picard season three but discovery season four and well discovery season three was not my star trek if i'm honest and so i unlike a lot of the community am not disappointed to see season five be the final one because i'm more interested in in other projects like the the michelle yo um section 31 series or or maybe a different direction so yeah mm. i'm mm. quite happy so season five is confirmed the end that's going to be airing in early 2024 so about a year away um watch this space i'm sure we'll have more news on it here at the half missions podcast uh and then final bit of news and we were talking about this uh before we hit the record button on the podcast so obviously the mandalorian has restarted we've uh, we're going to save it all up and do a, a big review at the end rather than do episode by episode. But um, a little bit of information has been dribbling out onto the internet over the last week or so that the amount of time that uh, Grogu actually spent with Luke Skywalker is somewhere in the realm of one to two years. And I just think that's fascinating and information you need to know because that's a lot of uh, a lot of force training, a lot of practice. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out and whether this timeline actually gets referenced uh, physically in the in the TV show. Which because they don't really sort of unless they physically say this is a new year or whatever it is. Yeah, and, yeah, they don't often deal with time. So I just thought that was interesting and worth sharing um, as you're going on the, the season three Mandalorian journey. Yeah, I think it is worth it because Star Wars is the last show to ever talk about sort of, you know, at least in Star Trek, you've got star dates, but Star Wars very, very rarely will ever mention dates. Or like the closest I can think of was in Return of the Jedi when they say, oh, we'll meet at the shield generator oh three hundred hours. That's about the only time I can remember a time of day or anything being referenced. Because if you think about what Luke was able to achieve with Yoda in basically a day and a half or what Ray was able to achieve with Luke in what appeared to be a, a three day camping trip. Imagine what you could do with the Yoda, uh, sorry, with Luke as a Jedi master for you know a couple of years. Indeed. Indeed. The plot that does thicken. I, I can think the only real time references I can think about in Star Wars are when we talk about, you know, nine before the battle of Yevon or whatever, you know, and they sort of do those, those kind of like, this is, that they kind of center the timeline around those big milestone events. Um, but even then, it's as you say, time is not really a, a 
construct that's used heavily in the Star Wars universe. Mm. But that is me, Paul. Any news on your end? No, the the couple of pieces there were the only things I had that you've sort of covered off. So just before I go into the mailbag, though, just every now and then I do like to just welcome any new listeners who've recently started listening. Great to have you join us. And if you're interested in listening to a review of a particular movie or TV show that has been in the last three years or so, you can check out our website because we reviewed hundreds of movies and TV shows and you can see every single one and find out which podcast it appears in on our recently revamped website, halfmeasurespodcast.com and just click on reviews for any of our previous material. Now, Mailbag Dan, last week uh, I talked about how what we thought was a side conversation around DVDs and physical media became a a, a, a talking point. Um, well, this week, a comment that you and I made about uh, Knives Out Glass Onion also became a bit of a, a talking point this week as well. Um, I had a chat in the week with someone who listened to our review of Glass Onion a few podcasts ago, and they picked up on the fact that we both weren't sure about the whole COVID angle and about how it might date the movie. And it really got me thinking about why I felt the way I did. And I don't know about you, Dan, but for me, I think when I go into a movie or a TV series of fiction, part of me is doing that almost as a way of like escaping the reality or the turmoils of the modern world. And so having COVID come into that Knives Out movie sort of brought it back to real life for me. And so I was curious as to you know what, what you thought, because for me, COVID was and still is this major global event. And when there's other such events like wars or historic catastrophes like you know 9-11 or assassinations and their reference or have an impact on a movie, for me, somehow it's removed from today. It's in the past and it feels okay. But if there's like a, a contagion or movie or an outbreak style movie, that's fine. But when it's fiction, I feel like I don't need it and I feel like it immediately draws me out and puts a date on it. What about you? Yeah, I think, um, like, I, I have no problem, actually, with COVID being referenced in a movie where it contextually makes sense. I just, I think particularly in Knives Out, it just felt, it didn't, it felt off to me. Mm. Um, and I I don't think it, like, it, I guess to be, like, to put it in context, like, who really cares? Like, you know, like, what does our opinion really matter on whether it kind of like was in or not? Like, I think like we both kind of reached the conclusion that it kind of didn't quite feel right. But for some people, if that's historically important to you, then great for you. I, I, I just, I didn't, I think if anything for me, I think you're right. Like it took, it took me out of the moment hmm. and I, and on a movie where we're already feeling like it was a little bit too long, that kind of became the natural thing that I felt right. like I wanted to cut. Yeah. Um, but if it's like, like sure it happens, I think it's just it, it, it depends on what the movie is and 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 what you're all about. I think this movie is all about the the murder mystery. The one thing I would say it did give us in that movie is it kind of gave us a little glimpse into how those particular characters treated COVID like you know there was that one lady yeah, true. who had kind of like the, the mesh mask so maybe, maybe you know from a that point of view it kind of gives us something but overall I, I still kind of feel the same I like if it wasn't there I I don't think it would overall change my movie yeah. going experience. No, fair enough I was just curious because it's always I, I do always find it interesting when listeners pick up on some of this almost like throwaway comments that we might make and sort of um bring that as a talking point i always find that quite interesting it's um reassuring that people are always listening and paying attention to i, I should say when i say who cares uh, that that, <laughs> that probably came across really offensive i don't mean that at the the person that wrote in i mean you know about our, our like i like to think of our conversation about these movies as just like a bit of a chat between friends about like what you liked and didn't like about a movie like at our opinions like until we're kind of like brought into the writer's room and I get to turn movies into TV shows and TV shows into movies then you know who who I think who cares is in relation to what does my opinion really matter anyway yeah no I know what you mean I know what you mean but um 
great that people pick up on what we say and always keen to hear anyone's opinion on anything we say, review, comment on, um, again, on our social media or halfmeasurespodcast.com. Uh, Dan, absolutely zero interactions from any cast, any writers or any directors in the last week. So no love for us this week. So I will jump straight to last week's peak performance, uh, which was, of course, Mr. Daniel Craig. And we had six picks came our way. I'll just bring them up. Uh, we had Shannon from Wellington, Knives Out. Ashwin, also from Wellington, went with Defiance. This one is a great shout. I've watched this movie at least twice. Um, set in Poland, I think, but during World War mm-hmm. II. Really good, really, really good Daniel Craig performance. A great shout there. Uh, Jason from Polyvore, Logan Lucky, um, which you may remember was one of our very first it was one of our very first joint reviews before we'd even created the movie of the week features. So that's, that's how long ago that was. Um, Diana, Capity Coast, Casino Royale, two weeks in a row for that movie. Uh, Michael from North Carolina, 321 of the Golden Compass, Casino Royale, and also Logan Lucky. And a special fourth mention, a shout out for him as a stormtrooper, which I think is a fair, fair little mention. It's a good shout. Good shout. I love it. Um, and finally, Paddy from Doctor Who podcast, time traveling team. He gave us his three, two, one, Knives Out 2, Glass Onion, Casino Royale, and the peak performance was Skyfall. And that is the mailbag this week, Dan. That is great. I, it's been a long time since I've seen the Defiance movie. So, mm. um, that, that was a goodie. That's a, a great shout, actually. Yeah, no, I love that too. I um, I think it's one of those ones, talking of DVDs, I think it's still sitting in the garage on Blu-ray somewhere. I, I seem to recall having that not long after getting married, that movie. So, um, yeah, good movie. Shall we go across to this week's peak performance? We shall indeed. So much like our movie of the week, each week Paul and I take turns choosing different actors, actresses, directors, producers, and anyone else who we deem important enough to have a, a peak performance. So this week uh, we are taking a look at Sigourney Weaver. Much like our movie reviews on our website, you can jump in there, see what episodes we've done, done different peak performances for. And just like our movies, there's a lot in there. There is indeed. Yeah, we've done... And towards 150 now, I believe. Um, but Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver, I'll, I'll jump in then. For me, I knew straight away, honorable mention, was going to have to be Ghostbusters. I, as we recently discovered when we watched the third movie, I have always enjoyed the Ghostbusters movie and, and Sigourney Weaver was a, a big part of that. And the character that she brought in, when she walked into the, the firehouse and her scenes, particularly with Bill Murray, just so funny such a good on-screen chemistry together and i always remember her showing him around her apartment looking for a ghost and then then she gets possessed by the ghost and just there were so many contenders but there's no way i couldn't have this as honorable mention and i know i should limit that performance to one film but i do love the scene she had with bill murray in the new movie last year as well that was a nice little re sort of revisit of their sort of friendship Peak performance, though, Dan, 1979's Alien. And I guess it's no surprise I would choose this. It is. It was my peak performance for Ridley Scott. Uh, it's a movie that sits at number four on my all-time movies list, which is as good as it gets. Um, it's just all round a perfect performance for me. And the more I think about it, actually, if I had to, you know, we're just saying we've done like nearly 150 peak performances. If I have to pick my sort of peak peak performances of all the performances i would say i would place her performances as ripley in my top three it it just encapsulates everything around how she how she copes dealing with a crew that she has like with tom skerritt and the rest of them and then going through the realization of what was happening the fear the helplessness the bravery the survival instinct it was just absolutely brilliant for me and i think you know alongside the, the directing this is why it's so high on my list so yeah that that is a clear peak performance for me dan what about you this is going to be easy paul we are exactly the same i'm um, honorable mention ghostbusters beautiful for all the same reasons i 
When I think about Sigourney Weaver not in Aliens, my next go-to movie would be the first Ghostbusters. And I, yeah. I for everything you've said, I, I think alongside a, you know, already a killer cast and a story about ghosts, and she really just comes in and really like owns her scenes. I think just incredible. And like you, like you know, we, we've already we've done the Alien reviews. We, we're both big fans of Alien the movie. I think she just really like smashed this role and she's gone on to make it her own and gone from strength to strength. And it's, it's all built on this foundation of, of alien from 1979, mm. which is just, I can't speak highly enough. I, I think, and even just the, the evolution of, of Ripley as a character. And even though I think, you know, in movies like aliens three, we're not <clears throat> necessarily our favorite movies, but again, I think she, she, she reminds me almost of a Sarah Connor type vibe, like where she's like, she's so like, she's strong, she's gritty, the shaved head, like, you know, that that's pretty out there, I think, for the, the timing of these movies. And I think full props to her as an actress for, for stepping into these roles and, and making it her own. Great. I love it when we're in sync. And I feel particularly gleeful about the fact that you went with Ghostbusters as the honorable mention because I remember when we when we did Afterlife you were less less impressed with that one so that's that's great that is awesome great big performances it, it does make me sad to have to like have this like split feelings about Ghostbusters like I think after Ghostbusters one things start changing for me but anyway that's a whole nother podcast it is that probably brings us to the end of another episode of the Half Measures podcast there's uh, thank you always uh, for listening into this week's episode. Let us know what you have as a peak performance for Sigourney Eva or anything else that we may have said that you've picked up on that you want to use as a talking point. Always keen for a chat, halfmeasurespodcast.com. And if you love what you're hearing, please go ahead and leave us a review on your platform of choice. It really helps us out, helps spread the good word of Half Measures. Uh, I would once again like to thank our Patreon producers of this episode, uh, Samara Whiting-King, Diana Kanawa, Trisha Brady, and Michael Chalmers. If you too would like to become a Patreon producer, keep the lights on here at the Half Measures office, then you can find those details in the show notes below. But until next week, everyone, adios.